Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Lindsay Maddock and Sophie Blackhall about their new picture book, Finding Winnie, the true story of the world's most famous bear, about the real-life history of the bear that inspired A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh. It's being published in October by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. In a starred review of Finding Winnie, P.W. wrote that the book strikes a lovely, understated tone of wonder and family pride. Finding Winnie is Lindsay Maddock's first book for children, and she's perhaps the source of that family pride. Her great-grandfather was Captain Harry Colborne, a Canadian lieutenant who adopted the real-life bear Winnie. Thank you for speaking with me, Lindsay. You're welcome. Sophie Blackall has illustrated numerous books for children, including the best-selling Ivy and Bean series, as well as recent picture books that include A Fine Dessert and Two Boys Booed and The Baby Tree, which Blackall both wrote and illustrated. Thanks for being on the podcast, Sophie. Nice to be here. So, Lindsay, just how treasured is this story in your family? Is this uh, the story of Harry Colborne something you remember hearing about from your childhood onward? It is a story that uh, has been very important to my family. It became very celebrated when my uh, grandfather, uh, Harry's son, Fred, took kind of great efforts to have the story properly documented in Canadian history and celebrated. Uh, and so myself and my uh, seven cousins unveiled a statue of my great-grandfather and Winnie when I was about 12. So it's definitely been a, a, a huge source of pride and joy. And uh, at what point or how did you decide that you wanted to maybe uh, turn it into a picture book? I first had the idea to write a children's picture book when I was in journalism school. And it really became very important to me when I found out I was actually pregnant. I had this idea that one day I would need to tell my own uh, son or daughter uh, this story. And I felt that a picture book was a pretty amazing way to do that. So when I found out I was pregnant, I sort of felt the, the, the pressure was on and I knew if I didn't do it then, it would probably take another decade to do it. So I was pretty motivated. Mm. And uh, Sophie, how and when did uh, you come to be involved with the project? I got an email from Susan Rich, our luminous editor, and I have to say it was, it was one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of manuscripts to come my way. Uh, I, in some ways, I feel like everything has been leading to finding Winnie. Um, it was, uh, Winnie the Pooh was the very first book I bought with my own money as a child. I was about seven years old. My mother had an antique shop and I read the book uh, rather than, you know, have to do any chores um, probably about a dozen times before I realized I, I have to own this book. And I asked her if I could take it home. And she said, uh, that'll be a dollar, which was a lot of money to a seven-year-old. Um, so I had to work for it. Uh, I remember I had to polish steps 10 cents a time. Uh, and I was terrified the entire time that somebody else would come in and buy this book. Uh, so, so this was sort of my, my level of um, connection and, and obsession with Winnie the Pooh to begin with. Uh, so, And the, the weekend that Susan's email arrived, I just picked up Christopher Robin's biography. So it seemed like all of these signs, stars were aligning. Um, it was, uh, there was no question that, that this was a book I wanted to illustrate. Hmm. Uh, Lindsay, were you familiar with uh, Sophie's work at all? I was. I was uh, definitely familiar with it. And I was particularly uh, actually impressed with uh, an adult book that uh, Sophie did called Missed Connections. And I just, uh, I knew as soon as I saw that book that 
I felt Sophie would have the ability to bring to life this this incredible connection. And in my mind, that's always been a huge part of the magic of the story is that my great-grandfather had no idea that this really simple uh, moment in time when he stopped at a train station a hundred years ago and, um, and, and bought this little bear cub that this would ha- go on to have this incredible ripple effect that he never intended. And when I saw Sophie's work in Misconnections, I thought, this is an illustrator who understands um, the sort of beauty and magic in those in those moments. And uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful for just how she's brought it to life in such an emotional and, and powerful way. Oh, and, I'm feeling a little misty. <laughs> uh, now, Sophie, at the end of the book, there's actually um, a lot of resources, some archival photos and that sort of thing. Did you end up using a lot of real life uh, resources and uh, uh, things like that as, as you illustrated the book? I did, and and Lindsay can probably talk um, uh, about the amazing ephemera that she has in in her family's collection um, from from Harry's diaries and things like that. But uh, I also just just threw myself into research, which is one of the the great joys of of working on a nonfiction book um, or any kind of historical picture book. I spent um, I spent I felt like I spent a year with with Harry and Winnie and Christopher Robin. I went to England and rummaged around in the archives at the London Zoo and I went to the War Museum and read about the incessant rain that fell on the Salisbury Plain in 1914 and how the Canadian uh, soldiers uh, wore boots with cardboard soles that completely disintegrated in the mud and I pored over maps and was just thrilled to discover that the road that Harry and Winnie drove to London would have taken them past Stonehenge, so I had a legitimate excuse to put that into a drawing. I, I immersed myself in, in signal flags and, and snuck a, a secret code into the book. Uh, so I really just, I just loved the research part of it. And Lindsay, uh, for you, what are the sort of uh, resources and historical objects your family has? Is, do, you, do you have quite a, an archive relating to Harry and Winnie? We do. We have a series of photographs where he is with Winnie and um, there's just a, a real tenderness in those photos. There's some that are just of Harry and Winnie. There's some that are with uh, other soldiers and the bear where you can kind of get this sense that she really was the mascot of his regiment and there's a lot of love there. Uh, besides the photograph, there's also um, my great-grandfather kept diaries throughout all the war years and the diaries are, while they're very brief, they're, they're really just sort of factual notations. They're quite significant in that he literally captures on August the 24th, 1914, bought bear, $20, December the 9th, you know, took Winnie to London Zoo. So you can see exactly those kind of key moments along the way on this journey. And to me, there's, those are just some of the most magical items. I'll never forget when I first held that diary in my hand for the first time. And, um, you know, it's a tiny little leather bound black diary. But when you feel the weight of that, it's it's so rare to actually have something that captures a moment in history, a moment in time. And, and that's how I felt about that diary. And uh, to stick with you for a moment, uh, you know, the book is framed as a bedtime story that you're, you're telling your son, Cole. And you mentioned that, you know, your own pregnancy sort of played a role in wanting to push the story forward. Was that structure of the sort of bedtime story recounting something that you arrived at early on uh, in the writing process? That was something uh, I credit uh, Susan with uh, my editor. She, uh, I think, had some amazing advice there. The interesting uh, 
that was not how I first uh, came to it. That was at her suggestion. I think, though, that what's interesting is that I wrote the dedication to my son even before I started writing uh, the book. And I think, um, you know, the, the dedication to my son, it was very clear that this was a story for him. My intention was that he would come to understand this amazing family history. Um, and it was, it was really my way of, of telling it to him. So it's, it's quite natural that, uh, that that's where we landed. And uh, Sophie, when I look at those little uh, black and white vignettes of the mother and son that you've included in the book, I can't help but be reminded a little of your picture book, uh, Are You Awake, from a few years ago. Uh, (laughs) Did did the intimacy of those little scenes give you uh, any deja vu as well? Oh, oh, completely. And and having what what was once a small son and and now is a strapping fifteen year old, um, I remember well those those cozy bedtimes with the incessant questions. Um, the framing is one of my very favourite things about the book. Uh, the fact that of course it's the story is told by Lindsay Harry's real life great granddaughter to to her son is is really wonderful but my favorite moment in the book is when Harry leaves Winnie at the zoo and Cole is just devastated he doesn't want the story to end and we hear uh, the line that sometimes you have to let one story end so the next one can begin and he says how do you know when that will happen you don't I said which is why you should always carry on and you turn the page to see Christopher Robin and it, it makes me goosebumpy every time and then we begin once upon a time and this idea of ending one story so another can begin, I think, is is really quite profound. It's how we best deal with change, whether it's, you know, grief at the loss of a loved one or, or mixed feelings that come with moving house or changing schools or, or simply growing up. You know, none of us have only one story. Our stories intersect and overlap and we're part of each other's stories as much as they're part of ours. And, and we pass those stories on from generation to generation. And I think that's just such a, a wonderful heart uh, uh, of this book. It's interesting that you mentioned that line, Sophie, because that is my favorite <laughs> line in the book as well. And um, in my own life, you know, I've I've had a lot of uh, a lot of those stories that come and end with with the passing of, of various people. And I do think that 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 lesson is is so important. And there's this there's this beauty in this story that it was a uh, a real life story that became this celebrated and loved fictional story and that it, it did have this it kind of took on a life of its own and so I, I love that line and I, I love that you love that line too <laughs> and you know Lindsay I, I know not many people have would have seen this book just yet since it's not out for a while but are there things about the story of uh, uh, Harry and Winnie that people seem surprised to learn or discover in your experience I think there's a number of things I mean people are in general uh, kind of amazed like one of the questions I always get is you know so let me get this straight he he bought a bear like he bought a real live uh cub and so you know what was involved in terms of training her and taking her on a ship and taking her and having her uh travel with him and and even you know as as Sophie documents in the book going on a a car ride from the Salisbury Plain to the zoo so there's some of those sort of practical questions about what was it like to actually raise and care for uh, and take a, a wild animal on a journey like this? And those are some of the questions that frankly are difficult to answer. I think the other questions people have in terms of the connection that Winnie had with uh, Christopher Robin, I mean, you look at some of those photographs and you see that clearly there was a a comfort level there with, again, a a wild animal. And I think, um, you know, my great-grandfather was a veterinarian and he he loved animals. He grew up with animals. Um, And the fact that 
she was such a well-trained bear. And, you know, there was articles written that she was the only uh, bear that the uh, London Zoo ever trusted entirely and that children like Christopher Robin were allowed to actually go into her enclosure, play with her, ride on her back. She did tricks for them. Uh, so people really, um, really gravitate to some of those details. The fact that she had this 20-year-long life, which is a long, a long life for a bear, uh, and that she just had this, this sort of beautiful and unique nature that allowed children to form that kind of connection. And uh, Sophie, you know, your artwork often has uh, playful and sometimes surreal elements to it. Did you feel any personal pressure to play it a bit straighter in this case, given the historical aspects of the story or the fact that it's a family story or nonfiction or things like that? Uh, not really, because, I mean, I think I do as much of that kind of work as well. And and my ro- most recent book just before this was A Fine Dessert, which was mm. also um, a historical picture book. So I was I was wading in in that territory already um but uh to to add a couple of things to what you were just talking about i echo that at, when i went to the london zoo the archivists gave a collective sigh when i said i was there to research winnie um clearly you know her her legacy uh hasn't dimmed at all uh, over the decades and as Lindsay was saying, there were all of these articles that that she really was the only bear before or since who was so trustworthy. And to weigh in on this being a story that surprised people, I dug up my the very first email I got from Susan Rich, which had the manuscript attached, and she wrote, and I have her permission to share this, mm. she wrote, uh, this one, this story, I think is a find. This is the sort of true story that you can't believe you don't already know unless, well, unless you actually do already know it. I find nonfiction thrilling when it shows us what almost wasn't true stories that make us see that the world as we know it came to be when someone took a chance, made a choice. And I think that's that's sort of hits the nail on the head, that it's that story that we all sort of know, but did we really know? And, and I, for one, certainly wasn't familiar with it. Mm. And Lindsay, if I can ask, I'm not sure how, how uh, old your son is, but what's his sense of, of this story from his perspective now? My son will be three, actually, at the end of this month. Mm. And I read him Finding Winnie for the first time uh, two weeks ago. So I'd, I'd kind of been saving it and waiting till he was, till I felt he was old enough perhaps to uh to get it so and he it's it's funny he he really enjoyed it there was times when he sort of got up and you know got off the couch and, and walked around and I thought okay you know I, there's certain there's certain points where maybe I'm losing him a little bit but he um I don't really think he understands that he is the coal in the story um but he certainly has this impression and enthusiasm for this this idea that uh, uh, there's a, a man who apparently is his relative who who actually had a a real live bear that was his pet, um, so it's uh, it's been quite it's quite fun to sort of he's he's now asked for the story several times and I'm kind of watching the layers um, start to sink in a little bit. <laughs> so, what have been some of your more memorable uh, uh, experiences in sharing uh, the story of uh, Winnie and Harry? Well, besides reading it to my son a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity actually to uh, share the story with Prince Charles last fall, um, which I'll never forget. It was, I was traveling to the UK as part of the um, Canada's National Arts Council was doing a tour of the UK uh, with the National Orchestra. And there was a series of five concerts, one of which took place uh, in London and one of which took place on the Salisbury Plain, where Harry uh, obviously trained with the other Canadian soldiers. 
Uh, and the concerts were magnificent, and all of them were under the patronage of Prince Charles. So they asked me to uh, to come on as part of the tour and to speak to people in the UK, uh, to share my family story um, with them as part of the uh, education program around the tour. And they said, you know, I, you will have the opportunity at the London concert, the first concert, to meet the prince. And you're, we would love it if you would be willing to bring a gift for his grandson, uh, Prince George. And so I sort of, you know, I thought about it and uh, I thought, you know, what, what on earth does somebody bring uh, to bring the prince, bring Prince George who, who has everything under the planet? And I thought, well, what about if uh, we actually brought him an illustration from Finding Winnie. And so, of course, uh, I reached out to Sophie, um, who this was all happening very fast, literally within, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, we had to have the painting done, get it framed, et cetera, et cetera. But Sophie went and did an original uh, painting uh, of Harry and Winnie uh, on the Salisbury Plain. And I had the chance to present that for Prince George. So it was framed. It was beautiful, and it was. Uh, hopefully, it's hanging uh, on his uh, on his wall. But uh, <laughs> who, who knows? But the prince was quite. Um, he was familiar with the story because he had actually been in Canada um, last summer. Um, so he 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 knew a little bit of the history, but he was uh, delighted to uh, to learn more about it and uh, at the gift. Hmm. How nice! And uh, Sophie, is this the uh, the first royal audience for one of your uh, pieces of art, as far as you know? As far as I know, uh, although I did do something for both the uh, president of Tanzania and the president of Mali. So not quite royalty, okay. but, you know, kind of top draw. Certainly impressive. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Lindsay, will you be uh, getting out there and talking about the book uh, once its release comes around, either in Canada or here in the States? I will. I'll be uh, doing a, a Canadian launch in two cities in Winnipeg uh, and in Toronto, and I will be in uh, in New York as well for a launch. Um, and I'm really excited that the book will also be coming out uh, in the UK this fall uh, and a few other countries in 2016. So I'll definitely be talking about it a lot, and uh, I've been, it's been great to talk to you today. Great. And Sophie, will you be uh, at the New York uh, events? Yes, indeed. And and lots others, hopefully, around the country um, as the book comes out. Very good. Well, just a few last questions. Uh, Lindsay, is this, you know, do you see this as a one-off project or do you think you might do other children's books? I think I'll do other children's books. I have uh, a few uh, a few things I've been working on, um, but but we'll see. I'm I'm very excited that this is uh, this is my first book, and I'm I'm very looking forward to seeing it uh, on shelves and seeing how people react to it. Mm-hmm. And how about for you, Sophie? I imagine you have a few things in the pipeline. Uh, lo- lots of things in the pipeline. <laughs> lots of lots of exciting overlapping things in the pipeline. Um, both things I've written myself and things I'm collaborating on uh, with others. Right now, in fact, John Benwomans Marciano and I are, are working on a series of uh, young chapter books, um, heavily illustrated, uh, which we're very excited about. Excellent. Well, uh, congratulations to both of you on uh, the new book, and thank you for speaking with me. Once again, I've been talking with Lindsay Maddock and Sophie Blackhall, whose picture book, Finding Winnie, The True Story of the World's Most Famous Bear, is being published in October by Little Brown. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. 